Hello, it's Ashley Brock, and I want to apologize. I should have checked before I started reading this book, but um, I just realized that my daughter, when I collected these books all around the house, that my daughter ripped out chapters 8, 9, and 10 of this book. So I have to go from chapter 7 to 11. But since I've read these books religiously and I know them pretty well, I can pretty much give you a brief what happened in chapters 8, 9, and 10. Uh, at 8, Meredith liked to play up like she was a city girl and she was learning things for the first time. And then in the beginning of chapter 9, he took her to go riding and uh, he found out that she was actually a girl, a country girl from South Dakota and she already knew how to ride things and everything and they got married and chapter 10 they got married and uh, they couldn't have sex the first night because Meredith was concerned that he might still be in love with a woman that he was in love with when he was 18 because that's what his mother told her and then when she realized that he wasn't she went to town to buy a bunch of sexy clothes because Evan told her to to uh, try to help Hardy through his first time. And he pretty much was really cold to her and everything and he made it out like he wasn't attracted to her because he thought that she was just playing with his manhood and so therefore they got into a big fight and she was packing to leave and Hardy went outside when he was confronted by his brother who told him that she was just trying to help him through his first time. And now we're at chapter 11. For a minute, Harding just stood staring at his brother, looking as if he hadn't heard a word. Then he began to laugh softly at first, building into a roar of sound that had cooked down the long eye. It isn't funny, Evan glowered. My God, it's nothing to be ashamed of. There are plenty of men who are celibate. Priests, for instance. Harding laughed louder. Evan wiped the sleep across his row, damp forehead inside him. What's so damn funny? Horton stopped to get his breath before he answered in a little cigarette. Took a deep draw, stared amusingly at his older brother. I never bothered to deny it because it didn't matter, but I ought to deck you for passing that old gossip on to Miranda. I gave her hell upstairs for what she did. I had no idea she was supposed to be helping me through my first time. Evan cocked his head, narrowing one eye. You aren't a virgin? Harden didn't answer. He looked at the cigarette just now. Is that why she went on that spinning spree in town to buy sexy clothes to vamp me? Yes, I'm as much help as mother, I guess. Evan said quietly. I overheard her tell Miranda that you never get over Anita. Harden frowned. You win. At the reception, before you left on your honeymoon, Harding groaned and closed his eyes, turned to the barn wall and hit it soundly with his damn look. One misunderstanding after another, isn't it? Evan leaned the broad shoulder against the wall. Was she right? Are you still in love with Anita? No. Maybe you're right about that. Maybe it was her time. My mother was just a link in the chain of events. My God, Evan exclaimed reverently. Is that really you talking, or do you just have a fever? Yes, Riley. 
Harding glanced up at the lighted window of the room he shared with Miranda. I've got a fever all right now. I know just how to get it down. <laughs> he left up and standing and went up to the bedroom, his eyes gleaming with mischief and anticipation, anticipated pleasure. But the sight that met him when he opened the door wasn't conductive to pleasure. Miranda was fully dressed in a pretty white silk dress that was even more seductive than the nightgown she discarded. She was packing a suitcase. She turned her tear-stained face and, Don't worry, I'm going, she said shortly. You don't have to throw me off the place. Closed the door calmly, turned the lock, and tossed his hat onto a chair before he moved toward her. You can stop right there, she said warningly. I'm going home. You are home, he said evenly. Swept the suitcase, closing all off the bed onto the floor, into a littered heap, and bent to lift the startled Miranda in his heart off. You put me down, she read. Anything to oblige, sweetheart. He threw her onto the bed. Her hair was a dark cloud around her flushed face as she stared up at him ferocious, furiously, her silver eyes flashing at him. I've had enough of damned men, she raged at him. It's bad enough having Tim tell me I wasn't woman enough to hold a man without having you rub it in my face, too. I have my pride. Pride and a lot of other faults, seem to bad temper patience, interfering in things that don't concern you. <laughs> what are you, Mr. Sweetness and Lights? A pattern for perfect manhood? Not by a long shot, he said pleasantly, studying her. You're a wildcat, Miranda. Everything I ever wanted, even if it did take me a long time to realize it into a minute. You don't want me, she said, her voice breaking as she tried to speak bravely about it. You showed me. I had a cold shower, remember? He whispered smiling gently. Here, Phil. Moved slowly, sensuously, and something predictable and beautiful happened to him. Something so blatant she caught her breath. I want you, he said something. But it's much, much more than wanting. You like poetry, Miranda? He breathed at her lips, brushing them with maddening leisure. I just, Shall I compare thee to her summer's day? Thou art more lovely and more temperate. He kissed her slowly, nibbling at her lower lip while she trembled with pleasure. Shakespeare could have been talking. Couldn't Shakespeare couldn't have been talking about you, could he, sweetheart? You're, you aren't temperate, even if you are every bit as lovely as the summer's day. The kiss grew rough and deep. His lean hands found her hips, grinding them up against his fierce rocks. This is how much I want you. He bit off. At her lips. I hope you took vitamins because you're going to need every bit of strength you've got. She couldn't speak. His hands were against her skin. Then his mouth was. She never in her wildest dreams imagined some of the ways he touched her, some of the things he whispered while he aroused her, took her almost effortlessly to a fever pitch of passion, then calmed her and started all over again. It was the sweetest kind of pleasure to feel him get the fabric away from her hot skin and then to feel his own hair rough and body intimately against her own. It was all of heaven to kiss and be kissed, to touch and be touched, to let him pleasure her until she was mindless beneath. Heaven said you were a virgin, she whispered, her voice breaking as she looked shocked into the amused indulgence of his face when the tension was unbearable. He laughed, sound softened her to her. Am I? He whispered and pushed down hard. She couldn't believe what she was feeling. His face blurred and then vanished. It was all feverish, 
motion, frantic grasping, and sharp heart hot pleasure that brought compulsion, satisfaction. She lay in his arms afterward, tears running helplessly down her cheeks while he smoked a cigarette and absently smoothed her disheveled hair. She was still trembling in the afternoon. You alright, little one? He asked her. Yes. She laid her wet cheek against his shoulder. I didn't know she still. It's different every time, he replied correctly. But sometimes there's a level of pleasure you can only experience with one certain person. His lips brushed her forehead with breathless tenderness. It hopes if you're in love with them. I suppose you can't help but know that, she said, her eyes fake and sad. I always did wear my heart on my sleeve. He nuzzled her face until she lifted it to his quiet, vivid blue eyes. I love you, he said, Bob. Didn't you know? No, she didn't know. Her breath stopped in her throat. She felt the flush that even reddened her breasts. My God, he remembered watching his breath. I've never seen a woman blush here. He touched her breast very gently. Well, now you have, and you can stop throwing your conquests in my face. Oh, his mouth stopped the triad, and he smiled against it. They weren't conquests. They were educational experiences that made it the perfect... That made me the perfect specimen of male prowess you see before you. Of all the conceited people, she began. He touched her, and she gasped, clinging to him. What was that bit about being conceited, he asked. She moaned, curled into his body, shivering. Pardon? I bet you didn't even know that only one man out of twenty is capable of this. The cigarette went into the ashtray. And his body covered hers, and he gave her a long and unbearably sweet lesson in rare male endurance that lasted almost until morning. When she woke, he was dressed, whistling to himself as he whipped about around his lean hips and secured the big silver buckle. Awake, he murmured dryly. He ached, and he arched an eyebrow. She moved and groaned and went. I could stay home and we could make love some more. <laughs> she got her breath keeping. And your brothers think you're a virgin. She burst out of shock. We all make mistakes. Yes, well, the people who write sex manuals could do two chapters on you, she gasped. I could return the compliment. Don't get up unless you want to. Have me take to your bed can only reflect favorable on my reputation in the household. He burst out laughing at the expression on his face. She sat up, letting the covers fall below her bare breasts and held out her arms. He dropped into them, kissing her with lazy affection. I love you. I'm sorry if I was a little too enthusiastic about showing it. No more enthusiastic than I was, she murmured softly. She reached up and kissed him back. I wish you could stay home. I wish I wasn't so incapacitated. Don't sound regretful, he chuckled. Wasn't it fun getting you that way? She clung to him, saying, Oh, yes. Her eyes opened, and she stared past him at the wall, almost purring, as his hands found her silky breasts and caressed them softly. Pardon? What, sweetheart? She goes, right. Nothing. Just. I love you, he smiled and reached down to kiss her again. When he went downstairs to have Jenny May take a tray up to Miranda, Evan grinned like a chest our cat. We're out after only one day. We better put some vitamins on that tray and feed her up, he said. Martin actually grinned back. I'm working on that. 
I gather everything's going to be all right. No thanks to you, Harden said meaningfully. Evan's cheeks were green. I was only trying to help, and how was I to know the truth? My God, you never went around with women. You never brought anyone home. You could have been a virgin. Harden smiled secretly. Yes, I could have. The way he put it made Evan more suspicious than ever. Are you? Yes. Not anymore. Came to drive by. Even if I was. He added a further confound the other man. Smile faded. Where's Theodore? Out feeding her chickens. He nodded, went out the back door. He said some hard things to Theodore over the years, and Miranda was right about his vendetta. It was time to run up the white flag. Theodore saw him coming and grimaced, and when he saw the expression, something pushed in his arm. Good morning, he said, his hands stuck in his pockets. Theodore glanced at him early. Good morning, she replied, tossing corn to her small congregation of Rhode Island Reds. I thought we might have a talk. My father, she whispered, you and Miranda will be in your own place by next week. You won't have to come over here except at Christmas. Took out a cigarette and lit it, trying to decide how to proceed. It wasn't going to be easy, in all fairness. It shouldn't be, he conceded. I would like to know about my father. The bowl slid involuntary from Theodora's hands, scattered the rest of the corn, while she stared white-faced at Hardy. What? She I want to know about him, he said tersely. Who he was, what he looked like, he insisted. How you felt about him? Imagine you know that already, she replied. Probably, don't you? Yes, I think I do. Now, there's a big difference between love and infatuation. I didn't know until I met Miranda. All the same, I'm sorry about Anita, she said, I'd have, I had to live with it too, you know. Yes, yes, it must have been hard for you, having me living here. He stared at her searching for words. And Marina and I hadn't married, if I hadn't given her a child, I know she'd had it, cherished it, loved it, because it would have been a part of me. These were not it. And all the same, all the taunts and cutting remarks. Would have passed right off her because we loved each other so much. She'd have raised my child and what she felt for him would have been special. Because love like that only happens once for most people. Theodora averted her eyes, blinded by tears. If they're lucky, she said. I didn't know, he said unsteadily, unconsciously repeating the very words Miranda had said to him. And I, I never loved until now. Theodore couldn't find the words. She turned, finding an equally emotional, unequal emotion in Harding's face. She stood there, small and defenseless, something burst inside her. He held out his arms, and Theodora went into them, crying her heart out against his broad chest, <sighs> washing away all the bitterness and pain in her. She felt something wet against her cheek, where his face rested, and around them the wind blew. Mother, he said huskily. Her thin arms tightened and she smiled, thanking God for miracles. Later they sat in the front porch and she told him about his father, bringing out a long hidden album that contained the only precious photograph she had of. He looks like me, Harding mused, seeing his own face reflected in what in that photograph was a much younger one. He was like you, she replied, brave and loyal and loving. He never skirted his duty and I loved him with all my heart. I still do. I always will. 
Then your husband know how you felt. Oh yeah, she said something. I was too honest to pretend. But he loved children, you see, and my pregnancy brought out all his protective instincts. He loved me the way I loved Barry. She had to tell him. I gave him all I could and hoped that it would be enough. She burst out of tears. He loved you, you know, even though you weren't blood-kidding him. He was crazy about you from the day you were born. He was, I remember. He frowned as he looked at me. I'm sorry. I'm so damn sorry. You had to find your way, she said. It took a long time, and you had plenty of sorrow along the way. I knew what you were going through in school with the other children throwing the facts of your birth up to you. But if I had interfered, I would have made it worse, don't you see? You had to learn to cope. Experience is always the best teacher. Even if it doesn't seem so at the time. Yes, I know that now. About Anita. He took her thin, wrinkled hand in his and held it up. Anita's people would never have let us marry. But even now, I can't really be sure that it was me she wanted or just someone her parents didn't approve of. She was very young and high-strung, and her mother died in the asylum. Evan said that if God wants someone to live, they will, despite the odds. I don't know why I never realized that until now. She smiled gently. I think Miranda's opened your eyes a lot to things. He nodded. She won't ever forget her husband or the child's lost. That's a good thing. Our experiences make us the people we are. But the past is just that. She and I will make our own happiness. And there'll be out other babies. A lot of them, I hope. <laughs> oh, that reminds me. Joanna's pregnant. Maybe it's in the water. Harding said and smiled at her. She laughed. The smile faded in her eyes. Really I love you very much. I love you. He said stiffly. He said it more in two days than he said it in his life. Probably it would be it easier as he went along. Theodora didn't seem to mind, though. She just beamed in after a minute. She turned the page in the old album and started relating other stories about Harding's father. It was late afternoon before Miranda came downstairs and Evan was trying not to smile as she walked gingerly into the living room where he and Harding were discussing a new land purchase. Go ahead, laugh, she dared Evan. It's all your fault. Evan did laugh. I can't believe I can't believe that's a, comp a complaint. Judging by the disgustingly smug look on your husband's face, teammates, she shook her head as bright as a new penny. Now she went into Hardin's arms and press cards. No complaints at all. Hardin set side. He closed his eyes and laid his cheek against her dark hair. I just hope I won't die of happiness. People have, Evan murmured, but his eyes were sad as he turned away from her. Well, I better get busy. I should be back in time for supper. If this doesn't run late, give Anna my love. replied. Evan goes, Anna is precocious, he muttered. Too forward and too outspoken by far for a 19-year-old. Most of my friends were married by that age. Miranda volunteered. Evan looked uncomfortable and almost haunted for a minute. She doesn't even know. Need to be there, he said shortly. Her mother and I can discuss a land deal without her. Is her mother pretty, Miranda? Maybe she's shepherding you. Her mother is 50 and as thin as a rail, he replied. Hardly my type. What does Anna look like, Miranda? asked curious now. She's robotious, to quote a phrase. Harding answered for his tainted brother. Blonde and blue-eyed and tall. She's been swimming around Evan for four years, but he won't even give her a look. He's 34, you know, 
much too old for a mere child of 19. That's damned right, he told Harding forcibly. A man doesn't rob cradles. My God, I've known her since she was a child, he frowned. But she still is, of course. She had a cooker. Go ahead and convince yourself. Harding nodded. I don't have to do any convincing. Have a good time. I'm going to discuss land prices, he said, glaring Harding. I used to enjoy that, Harding said, you might too. That will be the day I... Harding, want a chocolate cake for supper? Theodore called from the doorway, smiling. Harding drew Miranda closer and smiled back. Love one if it's not too much trouble. No problem at all, she said to Mother, he called when she turned at Evan's eyes pop. What? Theodore asked Mother. Mother, I see. It's just what I had in mind. Evan's jaw was even with his color. My God, he exclaimed. Harding looked at him. Something wrong. You called her mother. Of course I did, Evan. She's my mother. He replied. You never called her anything except Theodora. Dora, Evan explained. And you smiled at her. You even made sure she wouldn't be put to any extra work making you a cake. He looked at Miranda. Maybe he's sick. Miranda looked out of bed, him shyly with, No, I don't think so. I'd have to be weak if I were sick. He explained that, but Miranda made an embarrassing sound in her face against the show. Evan shook his head. Miracles, said absently. He shrugged, smiling, and turned toward the door, reaching for his hat as he walked the car. I'll be back by supper. And it was a great cook. Harding reminded him, you might get an invite or something. I won't accept. I told you, damn it. She's too young for me. He went out, slamming the door behind him. Harding let Miranda out the front door and onto the porch to share the swing with him. Anna wants to love him, but he won't let her, he explained. Why? I'll tell you one dark night, he phones. But for now, we've got other things to think about. Haven't we? <laughs> oh, yes. She got her breath just before he took it away, and she smiled under his hungry kiss. The hardest memories of the wreck that had almost destroyed Miranda's life faded day by wonderful day. As Miranda and Harding grew closer, Theodora was drawn into the circle of their happiness. The new relationship she enjoyed with Harding lasted even when the newlyweds moved into their own house. But Miranda's joy was completely was complete weeks later when she fainted at a family gathering and a white faced Harding carried her hot footed to the doctor. Nothing to worry about, Dr. Barnes assured them with a grin after a cursory examination of a few pointy questions. Nothing at all. A small growth that will come out all by itself in just about seven months. They didn't understand at first. When they did, Miranda could have sworn that Harding's eyes were watery as he hugged her half to death in the doctor's office. For Miranda, the cycle was complete. The old life was a sad memory. And now there was a future of brightness and more to look forward to in a family circle that closed around her like gentle arms. She had, she considered as she looked up at her handsome husband, the whole world right here beside her. And, and again, I'm sorry that my daughter ripped out of chapters. I don't know if she ripped them out of it because I got these books at a yard sale and they're old and like, if I'm not careful, half the book falls out, and I could have lost them myself. But if I can get another copy of it, I'll redo the whole entire book to make sure that you guys get to hear 8, 9, and 10. Alright, the end.